Hey everyone, uh, just before we get into the episode, I wanted to put a little trigger warning here at the top. I get really deep into discussing mental health, depression, grief, trauma, and I basically cry through the entire episode. Uh, so I just basically kind of wanted to forewarn you ahead of time to kind of prepare yourself. So uh, thank you so much for listening. I love you and uh, see you in there. Well, hey there, sweet peas. Welcome back to Friendless. I'm your host, James Avramenko, back with a very special November wrap-up little guy episode. So November has been an absolute fuck of a month, and if I'm being completely honest, I am not well. But um, I'm popping in to talk about the month, talk about what's going on, answer a couple listener questions, and give you some insights into what's been going on in my life. Sneak peek, it ain't great but I'm doing the best I can to get through. Um, and so let's, uh, let's dive in to a little review and talk about mental health. So November is uh, National Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. And um, in kind of keeping with that theme, I wanted to discuss as openly and vulnerably as I could uh, my experiences, my, my, my process, and um, kind of where I'm at with my own personal health. To try and um, start things off on a bit of a positive note, um, I am, as of this recording, 52 days sober. And, um, you know, I'm I'm really proud of that accomplishment. And um, I also feel like it couldn't have come at a better time because, um, you know, there's so many elements of my life that have just completely fallen apart. And I am in such a deep burnout that I know that if I was drinking still, if I was using still, um, I would be doing even worse. And so I feel uh, very grateful for, um, for for this accomplishment, and I feel very proud of that. And um, it's really lonely. It's it's really lonely getting sober, and um, it's really lonely feeling like um, because of your sobriety, um, I have lost so many aspects of my life that I thought were consistent and constant and now are just gone. What that sobriety has opened me up to is um, having to really face not only just, you know, they call it, you know, your shadow self and things like that, but just facing the breadth of experiences that I hold within my body. And it's really opened up my nervous system to be forced to um, really look at and process the grief that I carry within me and um, there's a lot and um, it comes in these big huge waves Um, I'm trying really hard to find the right words Um, you know it's ironic Um, as a writer as a podcast podcast host you know um, you'd think I'd be really good at like expressing myself but I find that um this is kind of what I love about those arts is that it, it it gives the spotlight to someone else, um, you know, and I just become sort of like the curator or, or the host, you know, and I can just kind of tease it out of someone else. Um, it's actually really quite difficult for me to truly express myself authentically and vulnerably. And, and that's something that I'm trying really hard with recording this is I'm trying to lean into this sort of concept of like radical vulnerability and truly open myself up to, um, showing what's going on uh i don't have a lot of models for vulnerability and i don't know if a lot of people do especially men i don't think we have 
models to follow. I think a lot of us, um, I th- speaking from my own personal experience, I think I missed out on modeling what um, authentic vulnerable behavior is. And um, I don't even necessarily trust that this is a, a healthy form of expression. It's just, it's the way I've got and it's the way I um, am trying to get to the bottom of, of what I'm feeling. I, I, I process vocally and I process through um, kind of churning it out of me and trying to look at it and, and find the right words for it and try to describe it. Um, so hopefully that's coming across and will continue to come across. My therapist says um, the only way to truly live is to be vulnerable and the only way to be vulnerable is to risk being hurt. Um, and the thing is that um, at so many times in my life when I've tried and, and believed that I could be open and believed that I could be vulnerable, um, it's ended up burning me. Um, so it's really scary. And it, I've gotten to the point now where I just feel terrified of um, trusting and I feel terrified of believing people, um, believing them at their words, believing even their actions. It's so hard to um, trust that what someone says they're going to do, they will when in my experience the vast majority of people um will say one thing and then do the opposite and um at the very worst they'll then accuse you of um the bad stuff that they've done and um that's happened to me more than once and it it, it, that shit sticks with you you know it stays with you and it and it doesn't let go um very easily one of the things i've been trying to really work on with myself and to heal is is recognizing the deeper core wounds that exist within me that are manifesting in whether it's my connections to people or how I'm showing up in the world uh, to people who I love or or just really just how I'm showing up in the world is so directly affected not just by my current state but the things that have gotten me to where I am and it keeps on circling back to um realizing that with this show you know i often say in interviews i talk about how the central question is have i been a good friend and as i start to get deeper within myself and i look at my my attachments and i look at um, my wounds and my trauma i recognize that that question in itself is actually a mask and what i've really realized is that um what i'm actually asking is um are you my friend so many autistic people who I speak to and I have this lived experience too is, you know, if if you teach me the rules, I will follow them and then I will be the good person and then you will choose me. And that's what has been so central to my desire is to feel chosen. And and I've been looking for it outside. I've been looking at it. I've been looking for it from from relationships, from family, from from anywhere but myself. And I've recognized that in so many ways, the 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 way that I have betrayed myself in service of keeping relationships that that don't choose me or um or or just betraying myself and serving someone else's needs first, um, is rooted in that question of please choose me, even though I don't choose myself, as I have um, alluded to in previous episodes and as I've discussed, um, not super openly, but, uh, you know, 
trying to keep it as respectful as possible while still expressing my personal experience with with the whole matter is you know i had a relationship end recently and it was really traumatic and really chaotic and really destructive for the both of us and um a lot of really awful things were said and a lot of really awful things were done and um i carry so much grief around that and so much um pain because of it and i also recognize that so much of the chaos of that relationship had very little to do with how I was showing up for them or how they were showing up for me. It was that we're both deeply traumatized people who were trying our best and just weren't able to be as safe for each other as we initially wanted to be. And that hurts. That breaks my heart. And I recognize that, um, you know, the pain that I brought to that relationship and the pain that I experience in the ending of that relationship is not because of them. Um, that trauma was already there long before I ever knew this person existed. And um, this whole chaos of this last month and getting sober has really opened my eyes and it's really opened my nervous system open uh, uh, up to being able to actually tap into way deeper grief that has been uh, tamped down and really numbed by drugs and alcohol. Someone just said to me today, um, as I was talking to them about sobriety, they said, you know, alcohol wasn't my problem, it was my solution. And that really struck me because, um, you know, in the process of getting sober, I've recognized that, yes, I am an alcoholic. You know, I, I hadn't lost my home, I hadn't lost a job um, yet. Um, but I would drink to get drunk. I, I had no other intention but to get blackout. I had no intention other than to numb myself. And I realized that, you know, there's, there's no real reason to party other than to lose reality. And I don't think that untraumatized people um, need to lose reality. I heard it described this month. Um, I I have been unable to see my therapist all month. I had I had upped my therapy to weekly and then immediately my therapist had to cancel a bunch of sessions. And so I've basically been raw dogging the whole month, uh, therapyless and doing the best I could. Uh I heard that described as um being dry drunk and that really made me laugh because it really does feel like it. It feels like I'm still fucked up and I'm still like not not you know i'm still kind of numbing the, the the pain but but i'm i'm not drunk and um it's been really scary and really really hard in the process of allowing my nervous system to open itself up um i've had this really really difficult process of going through these sort of like waves of grief and um what what's been happening in my body has been there's been these moments where i feel absolutely nothing i feel completely frozen and numb and dull and you know in some ways i feel grateful in these moments because there's no grief there's no sadness there's no pain it's just that there's also no joy there's no happiness there's no excitement i'm just this blank cage like just frozen um but then there's moments where something kicks in and suddenly my entire body is just flooded with um, every emotion. It's not just the grief. It's not just the pain. It's everything. And I become just as immobile. I become just as paralyzed because my whole nervous system becomes completely saturated with emotion. And um, I've come to understand that this is 
uh, uh, you know, an element of autistic burnout. Um, it's just that I, I don't know what to do with it. And I become um, really terrified in those moments um, because I, I want to move um, and I can't. And uh, my brain is just going a million miles a minute. And every thought is, is just kind of uh, like dogpiling over each other. And, and it just completely overloads my system. And I just become um, almost vegetative. And the reality is that like I carry in me so much shame and I carry so much embarrassment around, you know, how I've behaved in the past, how I've acted when I was dysregulated. And, you know, I know I've caused harm. And at the same time, too, I know I've been harmed and I've been burned over and over again. Um, you know, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD last year and that manifests at times in really, really chaotic embarrassing behavior and you know coming back to that question of have I been a good friend you know and and masking it as just are you my friend um makes me really reevaluate everything I've been trying to do with this show and with my entire sort of creative um impulse and and output because it's really hard to describe the actual experience and the actual ramifications of trauma, of gaslighting, of emotional manipulation, of breadcrumbing. It's, it's so hard to describe it um, to someone who hasn't lived through it. And I continue to struggle to find the words. It's just left me feeling so empty. It, it's left me feeling like this husk. You know, there's these there's mornings when I wake up and I just I have no idea who I am, and 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 it feels like I need someone else to remind me who I am. And those are some of the scariest mornings because um, I'm alone, and and so I have to force myself to re-identify myself. I've been um, working through this dialectic behavioral therapy workbook, and you know, it's really helpful and it's also really overwhelming. Um, it's sad and it's scary. And, you know, at the end of the day, I want to lean on people. I, I want a partner who, who supports me and I want a friend group who supports me. And I, I want to have people who, who see me and validate me. And the book keeps on saying basically like, not that you can't have that, but like, you're only really going to get that once you can start doing that for yourself. And this process can take years. So, I've been continuing to try to like cheat, cheat it and like jumpstart it and like kind of game the system and, you know, really like kind of whip through it, but it just doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. And because of that, I keep on falling really flat on my face and, you know, I do these regulation exercises and I get really clear and then I'll try to reach out and I'll fuck up again, you know? And like, I mean, like that just happened literally this week again. And I'm just like, I'm really scared that this is just who I am and this is how it will be for the foreseeable future. And that feels really overwhelming and embarrassing. Um, and I keep on having these thoughts in my head of like, well, who cares? You know, like there's, there's, you know, 
the earth is burning and there's children being murdered in the world and there's genocides and there's wars and there's all these fucking problems and then there's just me you know in bed with my microphone saying boohoo me you know woe is me and and it's like it's like i i can't do anything about that i i i can learn about it i can be aware about it um, but you know i can't cause world peace i can't solve world hunger i can't solve the climate crisis but i can try and solve me which i guess in a way is another element of recording something like this is that like i can do my best to try and express this sadness and this sorrow and this grief and and maybe in one direction maybe hopefully find a connection out of it and maybe another direction hopefully you know maybe somebody will hear this and hear that they're not the only one whose feeling is scared or 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 they're not the only one who's it's you know it's hard for and 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 maybe that'll help them feel brave too you know and maybe that'll help them feel not so alone and you know i mean fuck's sake even in the depths of my like burnt out grief i'm still people pleasing but <laughs> you know hopefully maybe this will help someone else too it feels very cathartic to say these things out loud and to, to express myself so i really hope that um it it helps hearing it i don't know i've been doing a lot of inner child work which kind of relates to this like silly tiktok thing that i did um but you know i talk to my little inner child i call him my little guy and um you know and i try to comfort him and i try to heal his pain and um you know Often when I when I let him speak, um, he'll talk about how, like every friend, every person who said they loved him, every family member, like they've all left, and um, it, he's always kind of found himself alone at the end, and and it's scary to keep going through that again and again and again and always having the same results. And it becomes this like internal minefield of like what's real, what is like um like what is the trauma speaking and what is reality and like what is the abuse that's being put on me, you know, and like who's safe to tell? That's the thing that's it keeps circling back to is that it's like it just I feel so unsafe and and I've tried reaching out to people and then that's made things worse and that's been really unsafe and and I've been like it's a hyperbolic word but it's true like I've been kind of betrayed by people who said that they were safe and 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 I don't feel like I always have somewhere to turn and what's funny is that leads me to um a couple of weeks ago I I uh you know just kind of impulsively put up uh, a TikTok thought and it was just like a couple of seconds of something and got a couple hundred views, maybe a thousand views, something like that. And I thought, well, that was fun. That was nice and easy. So I kept doing it every day, just a little like, you know, um, uh, a dear friend of mine it, it blew up on TikTok because of doing something like that. And I thought, well, you know, I mean, who knows if anything will come of it, but I'm just going to keep doing it. And like uh, maybe 10 days ago or so, I, I just literally middle of the day, put up a funny little thought about like having little guy days because I was thinking about my inner child and I was thinking about healing and processing. And I put up this tiny little thing about how like work should have little guy days or something like that. And then didn't think of it again and went about my day. And um, now a week and a half, two weeks later, whatever it is, it's like over 700,000 views. And it's really 
um, amazing and it's really scary because like I had no plans around this. I had no intentions of like being perceived in that way. And the internet just kind of took hold and did what it does. And as exciting as it is, and as how as 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 validating as so much of the response has been, it's also caused uh, some backlash. You know, like I've had people in my life be really cruel about it and say really cruel things, and 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 create their own narratives around my intentions, and create their own narratives around what I was trying to 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 do or what 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 I'm trying to do with it, and 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 it's it's really opened my eyes to realize that I can no longer. Uh, hold people in my life who don't offer me you know authenticity and vulnerability and accountability and who who aren't going to just jump to their own conclusions without communicating with me i've spent so much of this last month begging people to hear me when they're showing me that they don't want to hear me and and i've allowed my anxious attachment to to kind of override my instincts and to override what I see to be true. And instead I've, I've let that anxiety take hold and, and, and I've been just begging them to, to see me and, and they won't, and I don't think they ever will. And I've had to recognize that that's okay. Um, I mean, it's not okay to treat me like that, but it's also okay to not have them in my life anymore. And so I won't, which is really sad. And at the same time too, it's not, me closing a door i i saw a thing just recently that was saying you know i'm not closing a door on these connections i don't have any doors um i'm not the one shutting things down it's that these people in these connections are afraid of living authentically with me and that's okay too i can't change them i can't make them heal i can't make them see my light i can only live the best way i can and if people are uncomfortable with uncomfortable with that, that is their problem to deal with. I'm I can't you know monitor their feelings. I can't do the work that they need to do. And so I'm really just leaning in on I'm gonna stop defending myself from people who don't have any interest in actually hearing my story and and my experiences and are just gonna create assumptions. You know, one thing I was reminded of you know, through experience recently, something that I've learned over and over and over again and keep forgetting and keep needing a reminder is that you don't get closure from the people who hurt you. You can't um, ask the people who hurt you to help heal you. And I forgot that. I am really glad that I re-recorded this episode. I had uh, done one version last night and I was super dysregulated and I basically just babble cried through the whole thing. And I took the evening and I breathed and I re-listened to it and I came back and I've re-recorded it here and I feel a lot clearer about it. I still don't think I've hit all the points I want to. I still don't think I've expressed myself, but I think this feels a lot clearer and a lot cleaner and I'm glad that I did this. And um, I really hope, you know, hearing a few of these thoughts was helpful for you. I've got a couple questions from listeners. They're kind of off topic, but they're really fun. They've been on the back burner since um, like two episodes, two months ago. So I want to come to them and um, and and answer a few and kind of like shift the energy a little bit because you know as sort of cathartic and nice as this is, I think it is a little bit heavy. And so I want to kind of like lighten the mood a little bit. So so here's I've just got like three three questions that uh, that I want to answer from listeners like you. And hey, if you've got a question, um, you can always 
email it to me, DM me on Instagram, or if you see one of my stories pop up that asks for listener questions, please feel free to comment and I will answer it in the next Little Guy episode. The next one's going to be Christmas themed, so it'll be extra fun. So the first question here is, what are your fashion staples? Um, I don't have many, but uh, I will live and die by uh, cardigans. Absolutely, absolutely cannot live without cardigans. Um, in the summertime, I like to live by what I call cabin rules, which is um, swimsuits are a, a acceptable replacement for underwear as long as they have that inner lining. And then um, just light, 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 um, you know, uh, fabrics as few sleeves as possible. Um, because my other fashion staple of the summertime is just being cranky because I absolutely hate being too hot. Um, I far prefer the fall. I like layers. I love long johns. I love heavy denim. I love um, the good queer uniform of hoodies with flannels over top, cuffing everything. Um, you know, one, one highlight of my, my, uh, former relationship is that they did teach me some very, very good queer, um, and, uh, clothing etiquette. And I will always be grateful for that. So, um, yeah, uh, hoodies are a must. Flannels are a must. Cardigans are a must. Those are my big staples. Uh, the next question is if you were to get a wrestling centric tattoo, what would it be? Um, you know, I don't think I would. Um, I've thought about it every once in a while. Like I've got a couple wrestlers who, you know, either current or uh, through my life, I've really loved, you know, Bret Hart, obviously, Mick Foley, uh, in terms of current wrestlers, someone like Kenny Omega, Eddie Kingston. But I don't want any tattoos that are like crazy, super detailed. Like I would never want a face. I would never want something like I've seen people with like cane masks and stuff and like, ugh, no way. Um, maybe if I could find something small, like a little symbol or maybe like a good catchphrase. But um that would have to be pretty special and it would have to be a deal because I don't think I would want to spend like tattoo money on that kind of tattoo. Um, I don't know, maybe like have a nice day, you know, for Mick Foley. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I can't see myself, um, you know, bang, bang. <laughs> that might be a fun one. I don't know. That's actually the epitaph for uh, my upcoming book. So so uh, maybe maybe if the book does well, um if it ever gets published, then I will uh, get that tattooed. But uh, until then, yeah, probably not. But, uh, you know, never say never. Uh, the next question. Oh, I've actually got four. The, the next question is, um, did you ever have a favorite Care Bear? Um, and I don't think I did. I, I remember really liking the Care Bears. But the thing was that uh, at recess... At the time, um, the the girls would always make me be beastly, the little like minion who got like care stared away. You know, I got really good at it. You know, and I'd like curse you, cab has, and uh, and then I would get blasted away. But like, I guess maybe the lion because he's the only one I can picture right now. Maybe the sleepy one. I bet the sleepy one I really liked at the time. The thing is, um, in relation to Care Bears, uh, I have it kind of linked in my head was I really loved Captain Planet and my favorite was Heart, you know, the uh Mati, right? Or Mati. I forget how you say it now, but uh but um you know there was the the Planeteers who all had their power rings and it was the elements and then there was the fifth guy who came in and went, Heart, you know, he was my he was my boy. I loved him. So um Care Bear adjacent, I loved the Heart Planeteer. <laughs>
And the very last question for the month is, um, what are you enjoying most about your interviews? And this is a big question that I really do love um, because for me lately, um, these interviews have been so special because, you know, I feel really isolated and I feel really disconnected from people. And, um, you know, I see the friends I have trying. Um, one of the biggest problems that we encounter is that not many of them are in the city. So I don't really get a lot of like physical touch, you know, like I am deeply touch starved. And so even though these interviews aren't touching me, um, hopefully, uh, it's still, it, it's a chance at least to connect to someone new, to hear something unique, um, you know, novel to, to kind of tickle my ADHD. And I really cherish the opportunity to like help other people feel special because, you know, so many of the people who have come and gone in my life, I have, I've never had the chance to hear their stories and get to know them and give them the spotlight and let them feel like the special, unique, incredible person that I see them as. And so it's a really beautiful experience for me to, to listen to them, tell their stories and get to express some, some genuine connection and some genuine love to them. And, and, um, and so, yeah, that's the stuff I love. Um, I, I did this thing in August through September. I recorded like 20 uh, uh, interviews. Like I'm pre-recorded until like the beginning of March at this point. So I don't even need to be recording interviews for a while, um, which is probably why if you're listening to this, if you are someone who I interviewed in the last month or two, I'm really sorry that your interview has been delayed. It's not delayed. It's just in the queue. So it will be coming. But um, but yeah, it's funny that I, I did this month or two of just like, blasting interviews and now I don't really do many right now so I'm back to feeling isolated but what I do get is I get to re-listen to them as I edit them and that's really nice um but yeah no I just I love the opportunity to connect to people and hear their stories and get them you know give them a platform to be heard and be validated and be be loved if it's only just for an hour at the time those are the questions for the month. As I said before, if you have any questions, please feel free to DM them to me on Instagram at friendlesspod, or you can email me friendlesspod at gmail.com, and I will read those in the next one. There will be a call for more questions coming out uh, in the next week or two that I'll put on my stories, so please keep a lookout for that. And that is it for the episode, so I'm going to wrap it up here. I hope this wasn't too heavy, and I hope um, you're all feeling safe. I have included... Um, resources for mental health if you or someone you know is struggling please reach out uh, get the help you need you're not alone in your struggles and the only way we're going to get through all this horrible experience that is called life is by um, banding together and helping each other out if you want more friendless content please be sure to sign up for my weekly Substack. you're going to get top 10 list of things I'm proud of this week, uh, an ever-growing monthly playlist that I add new songs to every week, uh, recommendations for books, movies, music, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, it is always free. You can pay me if you want, but you are always going to be able to get that newsletter free. So please sign up for it in the show notes. But that's it for me. So I'm going to wrap this up here. Thank you so much for listening through. Um... And I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And I really hope to catch you there. But hey, I'm not going to worry about that now. And neither should you. Because that is then. And this is now. So for now, I'll just say I love you. Fun and safety, sweeties. <laughs>